Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. See, people did come. <laughs> this this isn't what you normally do. No. What 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 bit you've, of this? You've got to introduce us. Oh, I, I was just you know soaking in the applause. Normally, it's just just us I in knew, an empty room. I knew this would be a problem. <laughs> come on. Get distracted. Oh God, have I got to do it like we do it on the podcast? Yes, you do. Okay. Do you want to ask how many? Does everyone here listen to the podcast, or have some of you just been tricked into coming in because it didn't cost anything? Can we have a raise of hands to people who have listened to the podcast? One, one episode or more. Okay, this is the vast majority. Okay, but, but not including the guy who does our social media, so that's interesting. <laughs> um, good, uh, Dan. Let's do the normal intro because oh. people are going to listen to this on iTunes. From the top? And, and all, yeah, from the top. All right. Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, a podcaster and special effects artist, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I am a director, a writer, and I can't believe that we are doing this in the middle of Frightfest. Yeah, so, so bear with us. Hubris. We're a little bit frazzled. We've, we've done quite a lot. Sam's but we're still going to make it good for you, don't worry, <laughs> and, and to you listening at home. Sam's been a one-man PR engine for his film that's playing. I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, and I've flown back from another continent to be here, uh, so we're both fucked. Yeah, Dan's <laughs> also tired, but it's still going to be fun. And, yeah, no, we're going to, you know... And to take some of the, the pressure off us, uh, this hasn't been announced yet, but we do have some amazing guests who are going to be coming along. I think we said we had guests, but we didn't say who. And that's Did why I not? said amazing. <laughs> No, I meant you... Oh, never mind. They might have been average, <laughs> but they're not. They're not average. Why would we have average guests? Laziness. <laughs> <laughs> Last-minute decisions. Yeah, but no, we do genuinely have amazing guests. So um, uh, when they arrive, uh, we have... Yeah, we might have a little, bit of a little bit of a delay at the top, maybe, so we'll... Maybe we sh still shouldn't announce them, just in case they no, don't No, 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 we're not going to... We're not going to... You know, because when it turns out that it's three members of the uh, Empire staff, then <laughs> you won't feel let down. I mean, I and guys. all the way from the concession stands. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, there is someone on concessions with fake blood all over her face. She's the only one. And I did work in the cinema back when I was at university. This, this so very cinema. So I am cinema. technically from the concession stand. In a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they let me go. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dan, tell everybody about what you're working on at the moment while um, you've flown in from Chicago. So I was meant to be finished by now, <laughs> but the film got delayed uh, for various film-related reasons, as a lot of things do. I'm out in Chicago, or the suburbs of Chicago, uh, working on a ghost story called The Girl in the Third Floor Window, although, as is always the case, that title might change. It's the directorial debut of normal producer uh, Travis Stevens, who some of you may remember from previous Fright Fests. Him very and, cool guy. Yeah, very, very nice, very cool. Uh, and the most prepared director i've ever worked for presumably coming well one of whoa, our whoa, guests whoa. without without whoa 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 <laughs> and, and i'm not i'm not talking about me here <laughs> <laughs> what about benjamin wheatley ben ben is very very yeah maybe ben's up there as well ben's ben's super prepared but he it, that's all behind the curtain travis is out out front with his notes okay i don't know um yeah, well, I think it's, well, without saying who it is, one of our intended guests has made the jump from being a producer to being a, a director. And I think that it's interesting to see, uh, like, what the skills that are developed in one area of the industry, uh, and then when you, trans, you know, when you transfer over to directing, mm. seems to be able to, like, you, you know, you get writers that start directing, you get actors that start directing, you get producers that start directing, and there are sort of constants that, are carried across from one department to the other, and it's really interesting to see. It's not not a very horror thing to say, um, 
but I'm a, I'm a big fan of George Clooney's directing work. Um, and I think he's done a really good job of yeah. like, involving himself in every department. And yes. in the interviews with him, he says, like, he just spends, like, from the very beginning of his acting career, he's spent every day, he's not on, every moment he's not on camera, he just goes up to people and he's like, what's that do? How's that work? Tell me about this. I mean, much <laughs> like a, a journalist who then went into directing. Yeah, I think that's the other, that's the other most successful route. <laughs> that's, a... that's me, by the way. <laughs> Hello, I'm Sam Ashurst. Um, so... Yeah, we we we've got a waffle now. Yeah, we do. We've got a. Let's let's. Should we turn to the audience? How's your focus been, Sam? Oh, okay. We won't turn to the audience. No. We'll turn to me. They haven't got uh, microphones. That'd be a disaster. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, my fright fest has been very very busy and um, quite intense. You started I, Wednesday night, didn't you? Oh, here's here's something for you to look out for. I did an interview with the Horror Channel, which is going to be on television. The morning after the opening party at Fright Fest. So um, <laughs> if you do catch it, watch out for the fact that I was on three hours sleep uh, when I did that. James will attest to that. My, uh, my uh, actor of Frankenstein's Creature, the writer and star is here, James Swanton. And, um, and yeah, I was very tired, but he was very alert. So he covered me. Thank you, James. Yeah, um, our promises to, to be more professional always ring hollow when we're next to someone who is actually a consummate professional. I mean, he really is, but yeah. But Casting yeah. a long shadow. Can I now turn to the audience, please? Yeah, go on. Right, okay. Hello, everybody. Um, you're, you're a beautiful audience. Um, we very much appreciate you coming. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I mean, if nice. you were expecting this not to be ramshackle, then... Um... <laughs> I think that, what was it, like six people didn't put their hands up? Those people are like, what, <laughs> who, what the fuck are these idiots the doing? F- <laughs> what? Yeah. Three hours sleep? Yeah, okay, good. In a week, so, yeah? In a week. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start talking about our first guest. Yeah, go, do. Okay, so our first guest is uh, a, a former producer who has turned director. It's the director of The Ranger. Did anybody here see The Ranger at the opening night? Yep. Nice. Oh, fantastic. Ah, oh, fantastic. Okay, so uh, Jen Wexler is coming along. She's here. Jen Wexler is here, in fact. I can see her. Please give uh, it up welcome for Jen to the stage. Jen Wexler, director of the Ranger. Hello, Hello. Jen. Hi. How are you? How, how's your Fright Fest so far? It's awesome. Is this on? Can it you guys on. hear me? Um, yeah. It's been a crazy ride. This is awesome. It's my first time at Fright Fest. So, yeah, I mean, what an amazing place to screen your movie and what an amazing screen over there to screen it's it insane, on. insane, right? Yeah, it's um, totally insane. Yeah, how did it feel to see your film on that huge screen? That's definitely the biggest screen that we've played um, so far. And uh, I never actually even thought that I would see the Ranger on an IMAX size, size screen because we're, you know, we're a little movie. Um, but it was absolutely amazing. And uh, I felt like I was like... I felt like I was back on set, like I was back in the woods, <laughs> like I was behind the camera again, directing the actors. It just felt like so immersive. It was amazing. And so um, have you managed to see any other movies or meet any other like cool new filmmakers that you haven't met on the circuit so far? So actually, I haven't seen any movies yet, but today I'm going to see What Keeps You Alive, which oh, I'm yeah, very excited about. Um, and we've played um, a couple of festivals with them, so I've definitely been tracking the movie and I've been wanting to see it for a while. And I'm so excited to see Climax. Uh, oh, yes. yes. Like, so good. Can't wait. And in terms of like filmmakers, because 
you know, that's a big part of Fright Fest, the kind of the social scene. Have you kind of met other interesting people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, uh, just getting to hang out with like Barbara Crampton right. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, we shared a cab yesterday and of course I was fangirling out about Barbara because I love her. Um, and yeah, it's just like such a awesome environment because there's just, you know, parties and uh, the, the Phoenix where everyone hangs out yes. every night and I could hang out there forever. Yeah, it's just been a blast. Have we all been to the Phoenix? Uh, show of hands, please. Right, everyone who hasn't, nice. that is the place to go. Um, after tonight especially. Tonight, well, is it? Isn't it uh, Duke Mitchell's tonight, isn't it? The, the yeah, that's not the Phoenix. Is that not the Phoenix? No. I thought they were doing a, th a thing at the Phoenix as well. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I flew in. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dan has been on set. Uh, Dan's working with uh, Travis Stevens, who I don't know if you know from the yeah. scene. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, Travis um, is directing his first feature. I'm over in Chicago with him at the moment. Oh, you're shoot are you you're shooting it with yeah. him? Yeah, I'm uh, doing the makeup effects. Oh, cool. I, okay, I was just chatting with Giles about oh, your Giles. work, and he mentioned your work from you know, your previous work and that you were working on Travis's movie right now. Oh yeah, no, lovely, lovely Giles. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been great. We've been, I've been out there for a couple of weeks and we've got like fly back on Monday morning and we've got three more weeks to shoot. So Cool, that's so exciting. exciting. We're shooting in a real haunted house. Real haunted house. That is dope. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, Jen, I know you're a fan of Scream uh, and it feels like there's a bit of subversion at the heart of the Ranger. Do you feel like that's going to be a part of your directorial style, that... Yeah, I'm really interested in, well, first of all, I, I really only want to work in horror, but I'm really yes. interested in exploring the different subgenres of horror and mashing them together in um, new ways and, you know, kind of merging them with themes that I am excited to explore. With The Ranger, we really wanted to kind of mash up the, you know, 80s punk movies meets Cabin in the Woods slasher movie. But then we center it all around this girl who's trying to find herself. So it's like a coming of age story in the middle of all this like heightened comic bookness. And uh, tell me about the first time you watched The Transfiguration, because that's a film that we've recommended on the podcast before. It is incredible. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I saw The Transfiguration at South by Southwest in 2017. Um, it's actually when we were in the middle of casting for the Ranger and you know when you're in the middle of casting you're kind of like your all of your senses are open your eyes are open you're you're really trying to figure out who would be right um, and when I saw Chloe Levine in the Transfiguration she just brought so much nuance to that role and uh, Chelsea in the Ranger is a very different type of role um, from her role in the Transfiguration but I knew that she would bring the same kind of nuance and play with layers. Um, and I just, I after seeing that movie, I couldn't see anybody else uh, for the role of Chelsea. Also, what's interesting about the Transfiguration is um, actually a lot of crew members that worked on the Transfiguration worked on the Ranger. And Larry Fessenden, who's the head of Glass Eye Picks, uh, which is a company I produce for, um, and he's in the Ranger. He plays Uncle Pete in the Ranger, and he's a producer on the Ranger. He's also in the Transfiguration. So it, we have a, a lot of uh, family members in common. And actually, speaking of Larry, uh, I feel like I have recommended Habit on the podcast before, but if not, I should have. Um, can you talk about that film? Because I feel like that's kind of quite an important one for him. Yeah, Habit is my favorite Larry Fessenden movie. Um, it's for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's a vampire movie 
that captures Manhattan in the mid-90s in this absolutely beautiful, amazing, nostalgic way. And uh, when I saw that movie, I absolutely fell in love with it. Actually, funny story, which I'm going to be repeating tonight (laughs) at the Duke Mitchell... Um, party. I don't, I don't, nobody told me that I, I, I can't share it beforehand, so I'll just go for it. Yes. Um, but uh, funny story, my first day at Glass Eye Picks, I was a fan of Glass Eye from having seen House of the Devil and The Innkeepers and movies like that, and I kind of stalked them and was like, please hire me. My And I knew I had to see Habit because it was, you know, such a classic Larry Fessenden movie. So my first day at Glass Eye, I um, grabbed Habit off the shelf to bring it home to watch, and I grabbed the wrong Habit. Uh, Larry actually made a version of the movie when he was like 18 years old, in like 1981. <laughs> so I put it in, and I I was like watching a home movie version. Oh wow! And if you've seen Habit, uh, it's a lot of the same. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of the same story. So in Habit, uh, that includes you know Larry getting like very naked. Um, in the mid '90s, one he's naked in certain scenes, and in the 1981 version, he's also naked in certain scenes. So I was seeing my new boss, like <laughs> at 18 years old, totally naked. I was like, I feel like I'm not supposed to be watching this. What is this? Is that available, or did you take like a personal copy off the shelf? No, a personal copy off the shelf. It's not available. But actually, for the Duke Mitchell party tonight, I cut clips from the original habit and then mashed them up against the 1994 wow. habit so you could kind of see that's so cool you could see like the beginning and you know the ultimate version that's great and can you talk a little bit about the first time you met larry because that's quite an interesting story as well yeah so i was a fan um of glass eye and i was just trying to get a normal interview uh to interview with our company and instead they invited me to their christmas party and it was a friends and family christmas party in larry's apartment And um, I was like really nervous, but, you know, I went and ultimately, uh, well, everybody got really drunk, as you do at Christmas parties. And I ended up pitching myself to Larry and to Peter while we were all really drunk. And I got a job out of that. So that's that's like a dream situation. That's the... (laughs) It kind of sounds like one of your Christmas parties, yeah. but um, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously you started out as a as a producer. Um, what's the the biggest difference? Because I feel like people don't really fully understand what a producer's role is, and it's so important. Um, what for you is the the biggest difference between being a producer and a director? Uh, yeah, as a producer, the job is to uh, support the filmmaker and help the filmmaker execute their vision. So in the in the films I produced, I worked really closely with the directors, but it was, you know, uh, movies like Darling, movies like Most Beautiful Island. It was uh, working really closely with them, helping them realize their vision and then helping make sure that on the day everything was there that was supposed to be there, making the boring stuff, making sure we don't go over budget and everyone's sign their contracts and things like that. I was really excited to direct because after having produced uh, a couple movies, I was just kind of bookmarking things like, okay, cool. When I direct my passion project, The Ranger, I'm going to approach this in this way. Um, When you're producing, you're like in it. When you're hands-on producer, you're like in it with the director and you're kind of facing the same uh, challenges with them And you're also like facing the successes together. So it was really good practice. And also it's just helpful to see uh, directors direct. Um, I would suggest anybody who wants to be a director to like just be on as many film sets as possible. 
Absolutely. And um, I'd like to talk about your producer a little bit because having met Heather, it, it feels a bit like Chloe, your lead, was channeling her a little bit, like in terms of like her delivery and her body language and so on. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So for those who don't know, uh, Heather Buckley is one of the producers on The Ranger. And Heather, uh, if you meet her once, you'll remember her forever. <laughs> she <Yeah. laughs> she um, has a very distinctive style. She uh, she is punk. Uh, and she's, she, she's cool as fuck. She's cool as fuck. She's one of my best friends. Um, and when I was writing The Ranger, I uh, brought it to her as somebody that I knew was really deep in the punk community, but also as one of my best friends, and I just wanted her feedback. And she just started, she was so supportive of the project, and she just started, like, bringing people on. She wasn't even technically a producer yet, but she just started, like, trying to put things together just as a, as a favor to, to me. And um, when we, like, started really going you know, she became an on-set producer. She's responsible, if you saw the movie, she's responsible for, like, throwing our uh, warehouse party in the beginning of the movie and a whole ton of other stuff. Um, but she would also drive the um, actors to set every day in her, like, car that's, like, been duct taped together. <laughs> and she would just kind of, like, uh, you know, the actors are all very young and uh, they haven't had that much experience in the punk scene. Um, but she would take them to shows uh, before, uh, while we were still in pre-production. And then, um, you know, she would just school them every day. And if you've ever been schooled by Heather Buckley, it's not something you forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And actually, Heather does stuff for Arrow as well. She's producing... Yeah. Uh, the new Candyman release. Yeah, she produces a lot of Blu-ray and DVD extras, and she's done it for, like, thousands and thousands of movies. Yeah. yeah. And and so um, we asked you to prepare your favorite Arrow video release. Yes. What is your choice? I love Heather's. Yes. So much. Heather's is part of my identity. It really, you know, I found it when I was maybe... 14 years old and I became obsessed with it and I think it's the kind of thing where you you might I mean if you know that about me maybe you can kind of see its influences in little ways in the ranger that's very cool and um we do recommendations what film or two films or three films whatever you want to do doesn't have to be horror um what films do you always sort of try to pass on to people like what would you recommend that our listeners go out and seek out well right now being on the festival circuit um i've played a lot with tigers are not afraid yes and <laughs> it's all coming together very nicely <laughs> it really is <laughs> and it's the most magical movie i was like from the opening frame i was in it and like it did not let me go like the, there was never a moment of thinking about anything besides what was on the screen in front of me um and i can't re recommend it highly enough Completely. And yeah, it is a, a kind of really interesting time for, for women and for women directors. There's, there's a lot at Fright Fest this year. Do you feel that things are changing or is there still work to do? There's absolutely still work to do. Yeah. Um, however, it's exciting that it's a conversation that's happening in the mainstream right now. To me, it's like crazy that it just started happening because I feel like in every other part of my life, I mean, I'm like, it's 2018. Why are we just yeah. starting to have this conversation. Um, but I'm happy that it's happening, so it's exciting. Fantastic. And um, how do you feel about the horror scene in general at the moment? Because again, it's a really interesting time. 
it really feels like people are seeking out horror movies at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing when you come to a festival like this. It's you're you just feel I feel like I'm, you know, I've haven't spent that much time in London, and yet I feel like I've just discovered an entire family that absolutely, yeah. Like it's it's so lovely, isn't it? Like it, it's a real like community. Like I I don't know how you guys feel, but it, it's like you can just you know you're sitting next to a stranger, you can turn and talk to them about you know. And, and make a new friend and it kind of feels like that on the director's side as well a thousand percent I mean you're kind of I don't know it's weird it's like you're in college or something and these are the people in your class and you're graduating with them so we'll always have like Fright Fest 2018 I might yes. see that director in you know five years somewhere and it's like oh we're like Fright Fest 2018 together yes, absolutely it's a particularly nice atmosphere this year as well it's always great Fright Fest but we were just talking about the fact that it's been there's, there's a really nice energy here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's uh, the, the the horror scene at the moment is particularly vibrant because horror, as a metaphorical genre, always blossoms in times of civil upset. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so what's bad for the world in general normally tends to be quite good for genre cinema. Right, there's that, I guess. <laughs> so I think, yeah, with some really exciting stuff coming up. Is there anything you've seen out there on the festival circuit that, that hasn't crept over here yet that you'd recommend? Oh, man. The, I mean, the movies coming to mind have actually made a splash. I think you guys got Revenge. Is that oh, true? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Revenge, uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid. Yeah, and then looking forward to discovering new stuff while I'm here. Fantastic. And final question, or unless... No, is no. it? Well, I, I had a sort of a, a side <laughs> question, but it's a... Yeah, no, do it. Slightly rote. I want to ask you, uh, what was the most punk thing that happened behind the camera? When nice. You were um, so on the like first day, we were throwing this punk... Uh, party and um, I had the brilliant idea of uh, bringing Chloe uh, into the pit and I was like okay the camera's gonna go into b-roll mode I'm gonna go through the pit you just follow me and then the camera will follow you um, so uh, and it was like a party like we threw a party and the camera was really like in b-roll mode there are people I mean there were people drinking like they shouldn't have been we were it was a set <laughs> but there were some people who were there drinking so um we, we start doing this and I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to keep like energy level up. We're like going towards the pit. And then like I got punched in the face uh, Whoa. <laughs> and I lost like a couple. Like a mosh punch or a? A mosh punch. Okay. Like <laughs> someone just did not on purpose. Someone just was having fun and hit me in the face. And I lost a couple seconds there. It was black for a moment. Whoa. But then I was like, huh. I'm not going to get my lead punched in the face on the first day of our shoot. <laughs> Bad idea, Jen. Uh, so then we went away and the camera just did its thing. <laughs> and now it really is the final question. Um, what's next for you? Because uh, I want to see your next movie. Oh, thank you. So I am writing some stuff right now. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping to shoot something this winter. And um, as a producer, I'm in post-production on Larry's new movie, Depraved, which is a modern-day Frankenstein movie set in Brooklyn. Frankenstein, eh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I, I also have a Frankenstein movie. Um, this is now another final question. Um, why do you think Frankenstein is so kind of still so relevant uh, as a story? There's just something to... Well, first of all, wanting to bring something to life, wanting to control something, maybe because we all feel like we have no control over anything. At least that's how I feel. Um, 
I think that there's a lot of people that can relate with that feeling in the times that we are living in. Yeah, Frankenstein, you're, he's controlling something, but then the tragedy is he can't control it. Uh. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank and, you for coming. Um, yeah, I, we hope to see you at many Fright Fest to come. So. I hope to be at everyone for the rest of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> good, good answer. Thank you guys Brilliant. so much. Thank you, Jen. So much. That's great. Brilliant. We'll see you at Duke Mitchell. So, hello. Well, I've got, I've got something no, that we can do. do. Yeah, you do. Okay, so uh, we are uh, lucky enough to have a director in the audience this afternoon. He's looking slightly shocked that I'm looking towards him. Uh, but Charlie Steeds, would you come on down and we'll have a little chat about your, your films. Please give applause to Charlie Steeds. Yes, yeah, well, I mean, we will kick you out when, when our planned yeah, guest yeah. comes. But. <laughs> kick, kick me out when the exciting people come along. I mean, you're still <laughs> quite exciting. So, um, Charlie, you've made a lot of films at a very young age. Please mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tell this audience how old you are. Uh, 24. And please tell them how many films you've made. Uh, well, I'm about to work on my sixth, so yeah. Sixth yeah. feature film, yeah. That is indie horror right there. Um, so uh, could you talk through your career, starting with your first movie? Yeah, so basically, well, I'll start by saying, so the, the first one comes out on DVD here on the 24th of September. Yes, times uh, well. Yeah, uh, which is Escape from Cannibal Farm, and that's 88 films releasing that. Uh, and that's they're a competitor, but we're fine. We've recommended their stuff. stuff. We recommend their stuff. It's fine. Whoops. <laughs> I know, no, it's good. It's good. We've, we've recommended them in the park. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, oh. it's coming out for 88 films. And uh, basically, I shot that uh, two years ago. So, two years ago in June, I actually shot that. Um, and it's just taken, you know, a, a long time. You know, I released a trailer uh, really early on. Like, as soon as I actually shot the film, I released yeah, yeah. that trailer. Uh, got, like, a bit of hype and a bit of buzz for it on the internet. And then, um, you know, it's just, sort of, it's just sort of gone on from there and taken this long to get it edited, get it out on DVD, get the distributor. So, finally, it's going to be out here. Um, but I didn't wait around once I'd done that film. I didn't wait around. I finished editing it. And then in February last year, I shot another one. It's called The House of Violent Desire. Which, which, is a sort which of does look very cool. Thank you. Which is a, it's I haven't like seen a, it yet, but it's, uh, the stills are amazing. Thank you. It's like a gothic ghost story sort of a thing. Uh, lots of like Mario Bava influence and all that Italian uh, gothic. Uh, that's out on DVD in America later this year. I then shot a movie called The Barge People. Uh, which I'm still editing at the moment. Uh, and we're not sure you know, when that's coming out yet because it's just still in post-production. And then uh, uh, following that, in January of this year, I shot a film called Winter Skin, uh, which is all set in the snow. We shot it out in Finland, snowy cabin. Um, and then basically, um, that's actually coming out on DVD in America in January yes. uh, next year. I've already edited that. I kind of like, I shot the barge people, edited this whole, shot and edited the whole of Winter Skin. Uh, and that trailer, I'm not allowed to release it yet, but it'll be out this winter. And I'm looking forward to people seeing that, you know. Amazing. It's We're going to kick you out now. Yeah, sure. Because sure. she's here. Yeah. But that's a pretty good plug. Um, please, yeah, thank you. Uh, applaud Charlie Steeds. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Good director and a lovely man. Thanks, Charlie. Right, so we're going to fill for a bit because. Our next guest uh, uh, directed one of the most sort of buzzed about, about... And the only film 
that our direct, that our guests are involved in that hasn't played yet. So we'll be skirting around the content a little bit more. Yes, yeah, but um, um, it's Issa Lopez, director of Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, some people might have seen it at Glasgow. Anybody see it at Glasgow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so some of you have seen it. It's fantastic. And uh, please so. welcome to the stage, Issa Lopez. Issa Lopez. Please join us. Thank you so much for coming here. So I'm super happy to be here. I, I showed the movie in Glasgow at Fright Fest. It was a joy of experience. I seriously suspect that people liked the movie so much because we were Snowden, the, the beast from the East, and I think everybody was very drunk, me included. <laughs> so whatever the reasons, maybe the quality, maybe the alcohol, maybe the quality of the alcohol, the movie was very well received and it was, it's a joy to be here again. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been well received everywhere. I mean, it's one of the films, you know, every now and then something really captures the public imagination and just, you know, the social media's alight with it. Obviously, you've already had a very successful career um, in Mexico and internationally uh, with some of your titles, first as a writer and then more recently as a director. But this is your first time working with horror, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's, it is strange why it didn't happen before because the truth is I grew up obsessed with the supernatural, the supernatural, with um, science fiction, with fantasy, with um, anything that gave us the idea that what we can see in the world is not all there is. And, um, and then my career started in comedy, which is also not very surprising because <laughs> I can't help myself. I think it's part of Latin American culture to be able to laugh in the worst situations. And that's the best comedy, I think. And uh, so I started in comedy and um, eventually decided to uh, just come out of the closet <laughs> and and uh, and go full tilt into horror in general. And, and there is kind of a crossover between comedy and horror, isn't there? It's kind of about timing. Build and release. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Provoking a, a physiological reaction, you know, a sh either a shiver or, or laughter. It's something that you can't control and comes from really deep in your guts. And this is trademarked. But <laughs> but uh, I will share it with you because I discovered that there are two genres that people think are very different. And the truth is they're very similar in the sense that if you make a comedy and it doesn't work, you have a horror movie. And if you make a horror movie and it doesn't work, you have a comedy. Yeah. So they're very related. <laughs> um, I often find that um, editors span the two genres as well because the idea of building something up and, and then that release, whether it's a laugh or a scream. Completely. And the thing is, uh, well, in my experience, which is not very vast because I've made one movie <laughs> so far uh, in horror, uh, but a bunch of comedies, you have something in the set and uh, many, many times it's not scary or funny on the set, but you have an idea of how it's going to look when you splice it and you put it together in montage. And, um, and then you sit in front of, of the image with your editor and you, you, you feel very confident of, oh, you're going to put this and this and this is going to provoke this. And then you put it together and it looks absolutely stupid. And it's just not happening. It's not either funny or scary. And, uh, and you start going, no, 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 let's go two frames. No, add eight, not. They take sex. What if we cut to and you experiment until the magic happens and you go, oh, 
oh, that was chilly or that was funny. And it's, it's kind of, you know, as clear as you think you have it, it's such a strange equation and you don't understand it until you're in front of the editing room. Do you, um, obviously, the, the comedy work you've done is much more grounded in the real world by its nature. Tigers is, is very sort of social commentary as well as being a, a horror movie. Is there a, do you find there's more freedom for addressing difficult subjects like that in horror? Because you've got the, the power of metaphor on your side. Yes, the, the truth is what's going on in Mexico and in many countries in Latin America is violence is out of control. In, in, in Mexico's particular case, it has started uh, with a drug war and, uh, and it extended to a thing that can only be compared to the Wild West. It's everyone on their own and uh, you have uh, a bad gang taking over a town and doing whatever they want with it until the seven samurais hopefully show up. It's, it's really crazy. And uh, the media in Mexico has been saturated, and I think in the world, with cartel content. There's a fascination with cartels and with what's going on. And there's two ways that this has been addressed. One is by doing very artsy, very hard, very naked movies about what's going on, a few of them, very art house. And the other one is the glorified, uh, romanticized version of it, call it... Uh, narco telenovelas, we have soap operas based on that, or narcos itself, where you have the figure of a man that came from nowhere and uh, built an empire and then go went down in flames, which I think is romanticizing, even if it's real, and making appealing the figure of a, a drug lord. So there's a, there's an oversaturation, and if you're going to, you know, address this a huge problem that we have in Mexico, you need to do it with a different narrative, with a different tool. It was my feeling. And uh, and so the opportunity to go into the, su the supernatural and genre came. And if you, you know, you call your audience and you say, we're going to tell you a ghost story. And then it turns out that it's actually a deep reflection of what's going on with your country you are teasing them with something magical to land into something very real. And it works both ways. Sometimes people want to see something very real, a few of them, and then you're able to, through the very real tale, bring them into the magical realm. So you have a movie that is neither but both. That's great, thank yeah, you. Thank you. So, as I'm sure a lot of our audience are aware, you've garnered the praise of some pretty high names out there. Obviously, one of the most prominent is Guillermo del Toro, uh, who I believe you're now working with. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. So, you already said that you were surprised it took this long for you to get into horror, considering your love for it. I assume that now you and Guillermo are working together you're going to stay in the horror genre, is that correct? No, we're going to do a, a, a My Little Pony movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, we're not. We're, go we're going to tell a very, very ugly, violent, supernatural story. Yes. And, uh, and we're loving <laughs> it. Because this is what I admire the most. I admire many things about Guillermo. You know, honestly, the one thing that I admire the most is his generosity. When I... 
finally wrote to him and I was very shy about writing to him to say thank you for the support he gave Tigers. I wrote a very long message saying, you know, beyond what this has done for my career, just the fact that one of my masters liked it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And he just said, you're welcome. Whenever you have the chance, do the same thing for someone else. That's the first thing that. he wrote That's to amazing. me. And that's him. That's the one thing I admire the most. The second, <laughs> which has to do with the style, is Guillermo is a master of mixing sublime beauty and delicacy and, you know, poetry with abject violence and horror in a surprising way. So he can, in his latest movie, you know, have a musical number in an in a old musical. And um, in the next scene, have a very disgusting bad guy ripping rotten fingers off his hand. And the way he mixes that is Guillermo's brand. But uh, f from my earliest memories of trying to tell a story, that's what I always try to do, to mix something that is very poetic and sublime with something that is unbearably violent and comes from the darkest corners of our psyche. And that's where we're connecting, and that's what we're working on right now. That's amazing. Thank you. Obviously, Gem's involvement and, uh, and the, the, the massive and deserved success of Tigers presumably means you're now... Because you, you, the, the budget of Tigers was comparatively small, and you had to... Like, a lot of people were doing it for mm -hmm. the love of the script. Yes. I assume now a lot of those limitations are going to be removed and you've got no. people offering you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a story. I, um, you learn. You know, you live, you learn. Uh, one mistake I made before, uh, I moved to, to Los Angeles in 2009 because someone uh, very important and powerful said to me, we're going to make a movie together. And I believe that person. And um, he, he was not lying necessarily. Uh, the way it works is you, you get involved in, in one project and that project, chances are, is going to fall apart. And then what you need to do, and, and, and I learned this the hard way, is to be involved in anywhere between 10 and 15 projects yeah. to be able to make one of them, hopefully. Yeah. So I'm involved in a bunch. It's not 15, but I'm making, I'm, I'm fighting for it. <laughs> but uh, some of them have... A crazy budget that I never dreamed of. We'll see if that happens. What Guillermo and I are doing is a small. And uh, but you know what? I believe that some of the best gymnastics happen in the tiniest of spaces. Yeah. That sometimes you know, I was talking to a to a director that started with a tiny indie movie, and it's glorious. And then he made a huge fat Hollywood movie, and there's nothing there. Yes. And I asked him, what the hell? And, you know, aside from, we all know how Hollywood makes the decisions and pulls you and has a final cut. We all know that. But he told me something that makes so much sense. He said, you know, when you're making a tiny indie movie, you take your camera and you get there and, and you go, you know what? Instead of shooting here, we're going to shoot here. And we're going to do, and if you, and you can in an indie movie because who cares? And, uh, and when you have a $200 million movie and you go like, let's shoot. No, <laughs> no. 
But <laughs> we can, you know, but, but no, we spent $21 million in this set and you're not going to be shooting the window of the soundstage. But the window is... No, you can't. Look at the light. No. No. <laughs> Do the pretty building. We did for you. So there's no liberty when we're talking those numbers. Weirdly enough, there is a lot more liberty. And there's a liberty to fuck up, which yeah. is priceless. Yeah. Because then you take risks. Yes. You don't take risks with $200 million. Yeah. Says someone who has never even yeah. worked with that. With all my experience, I can tell you. There's a huge phalanx of people there stopping you from taking those risks because it's their $200 million. Like yeah, it's, it's uh, the, uh, and I, I love Los Angeles and I love the movies that from time to time come out of there. But everything is made out of fear. Everybody's terrified of making the movie that is huge and nobody wants to see. And it's forever going to destroy their lives. And um, Tigers happened because I had no career. I had a career, then I lost it. And then I had nothing. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do a movie that I don't care if people want to see it. It's just I have to tell this story. Yeah. And that's how it happened. Personal horror is the best horror. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, slightly uh, left field movement for the question. You, uh, at one point or another, were a writer on the Mexican Sesame Street. Is that correct? Yeah, and a director too, but wow. Okay, so Are you a stalker? <laughs> I'm a researcher. There's a very it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Okay. So, um, without saying too much, because a lot of the people here haven't seen uh, Tigers yet, there is a character in Tigers who immediately feels somewhat connected to that world. You're the very first person to say this. <laughs> it's incredible and in so many in so many interviews. <laughs> Because of the young cast and a lot of the stuff you're dealing with, in a way, it could be argued that it feels like a very dark storyline from an episode of Sesame Street, which yeah. often dealt with like children dealing with big world problems as a way of introducing their audience to that. So I grew up with horror for kids, and that doesn't get that doesn't happen as much anymore. Is that something like? Do you feel that that's missing from the like proper scary stuff? Oh my god, completely. There's there's many things I want to say about this. A uh, you have the same T-shirt as that character. <laughs> you will see. <laughs> not, not the same one, I suppose. <laughs> but um, not the same, same one. Um, uh, yes, it is like a really fucked... We can curse, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. of course. Okay, so <laughs> too late for that question. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like a really fucked up version, a really fucked up episode from your nightmares from Sesame Street. You know, the episode where it's right, left, center, you die. I guess. <laughs> so the truth is, I grew up, um, I lost my mother when I was very, very young, uh, which is part of um, the plot in the movie. It's a very different story, but in deep down is that story of losing someone who is the center of your life at that age. So when she died, uh, my father didn't know what to do with us. He, he had never been in charge of raising kids. There was always a female figure for that. And um, what he could think of as, like, you know, he sat us down, me and my younger sister, and he, she's, he said, guys, the bad news is you don't no longer have a mother. <laughs> the good news is whatever you didn't like about your life with your mom, we can change. So I, I think this was wow. his offer. Wow. And I had two things that I wanted to do. One was 
to be able to watch horror movies because mom didn't <laughs> let me. The first thing I asked. And he said, yes, you can watch whatever you want if we talk about it before. And, uh, and I was watching Alien and uh, The Shining, you know, at eight or nine. And it, uh, for good or for worse, made me for who good. I am. For good. Yeah, good. Yes. And then uh, years and years and years and years later, I, I'm, I am not a mother. I, I decided that was not for me. It might have to do with the fact that I lost mine. But uh, and I'm very happy as I am. Um, ended up taking care of five children for six months <laughs> for this movie, which really was an interesting experience. <laughs> but um, but one of my my friends from high school, she she had her daughter and three friends, and I don't know why she would do this. Years ago, she left all of them with me. They were like seven or eight. And I was going crazy because I don't know how to do that shit. I respect so much people who do know. And uh, the one thing I could think of immediately, is this is before streaming. I said, oh my God, I'm going to play a movie for you. And, uh, and I looked at my video library and there was nothing for them there. Nothing. And I was like, you know what? Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal is a, it's a gorgeous right. movie and it's for kids. It's for little kids, right? And I play that. My friend didn't speak to me for a year. <laughs> because the nightmares that came from that were endless. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is Dark Crystal. It's Muppets. What are you talking about? I was watching Halloween. I was watching The Thing. I was... Uh, and she was... And you didn't have nightmares? Oh, yeah. But, you know, you have nightmares. You deal with them. The world can be incredibly beautiful and friendly and it can be horrifying and scary and you need to learn to deal with fear and i think that we're overprotecting i am no again i have the same expertise as directing movies of 200 million dollars <laughs> but i do feel there's a value in showing horror and uh, and uh, you know how it's manageable how you can experience it and stop it and control it and the only way to do that is by experiencing it. So yes, there's a huge loss there. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you. Um, and very long. You no, good. We love it. We liked it. You said that when you were given the choice, like what would you change? You said I want to watch more horror movies. What What's your first memory of, of of scary films of horror movies? Like what was it that sparked that interest in you? Oh my God! Uh, my mother, ironically, because she didn't let me watch the movies, she was a huge fan of movies and literature. And uh, back then, she was obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe. So the, the short stories were, and are still key in, in who I am. And then it was Lovecraft, all the rest of them. So that was literature-wise. But when I was a, a small kid, there was an English TV show. Oh, but this is Mexico, so I, 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 I need to learn the, the, the original title because it was dubbed. But it was called Misterio en su casa. And uh, there were it there were short stories a little bit like uh, like uh, Night Gallery, and they were supernatural, scary, like an English version of uh, the Twilight Zone in a way. And um, one of the episodes that was unforgettable for me is it's a classic. It's about an African doll that has oh, oh this yeah, is the yeah, Hammer yeah. House of Horror 
Morris era. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I just made the connection. So that little doll, the doll, it's just a, a, a completely. It's an amazing. Episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. Unforgettable, right? And and that started me, and uh, and I couldn't stop. One of the first uh, books without pictures that I read in my life really early on like at 7 was Salem's Lot Amazing. which is uh, it, it's it's a fat break of a book but for those of you who have read it um it's a Stephen King novel it's it's a vampire novel and it's very very hard to make vampires scary yeah. because we know the rules you know how to stop them and if you can stop them with garlic they're not that scary and um uh, but Steve King managed in that novel to make them so <laughs> scary. There was a TV series based on that. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, half of the book goes by without you uh, even finding one vampire. Something is very wrong in this town. And vampires are part of it, but it's not at the center of it. You know, King's ability to, to find what's rotten in us and manifested in monsters is very unique. And I think that that, that also affects my work now. Very, very quickly, uh, we have a predominantly British listenership. We do have a few international listeners to the recorded version and obviously live here as well. But if you could recommend uh, a Mexican horror film that yeah. you think maybe hasn't been seen much outside oh, yes. the country. Here, listen, you have to watch it with a grain of salt, uh, the, of salt because it's the 70s and it's Mexico and we didn't have an industry. We lost it. We had a huge industry and we lost it. And it's called uh, Poisoned for the Fairies. We had a, Me a Mexican director named Carlos Taboada who directed a bunch of movies, very strange, very unique, very his own brand, and uh, with the best titles in the world. Uh, one of them was Even the Wind is Scared. Oh, like, that's an amazing Yeah. Hasta el viento tiene miedo. So we have a bunch of 70s movies that are great. For fun, watch any luchador movies from the 60s. Yes. Um, because it's often santo Contra las mujeres vampiro. Santo versus the vampire women. Yeah. They're so much fun. Yeah. They're great fun. I, I, wait, uh, wait, we need to... Arrow video recommendations. Uh, yeah. did Tell you? me that I got it right, but Phantom of Paradise, right? Yes. Oh, man. Yes. That's another movie that I watched when I was very young. Come on. Have you, you, you all have seen this. It's Dorian Gray meets the Phantom of the Opera, meets very good 70s rock and roll, Elton John is in the mix there secretly for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a love story. It's heartbreaking. It's one of the best movies in the world. Watch it. Well, thank you Fantastic. so much. Fantastic. Yeah, honestly, us. thank you for your time. No, thank so happy to be here. Thank you. Watch the movie. Watch the movie. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you thank guys. You, thank you. Right. Well, don't even have to waffle, I believe. I, I think our next guest is already here. Is that correct? They're just chatting. Do your waffle. So uh, we are going to do waffle. Thank you to Charlie Steed. Sorry for, yeah, for you so pulling much. you down um, out of nowhere. Have, um, have we? Uh, how many people are going to go and see Tigers? Yeah, um, that's a lot of hands. And were there, yeah, that's a lot of hands. Has anyone been convinced by that? Can we say that we were? Yay! There yes. We were instrumental. Ah, oh, hooray! Yeah. Right. Okay. And here is our next. Come join uh, us. Our next <laughs> amazing guest, Barbara Crampton. Everyone, by Barbara the way. Barbara Crampton. 
one of one of the most legendary actors there is. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time. Hi. So Barbara, you have two films at Fright Fest this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had Puppet Master. Yeah. Is this right? Uh, and we had Dead Night. Um, yeah. Both of them have elements of politics. You play a pol- <gasps> politician in one, yeah. and uh, the other has some pretty interesting stuff going on. Um, is is that important to you in terms of the projects that you choose at the moment? Uh, not necessarily politics, but what's important to me um, when I work on something or choose something to do, whether you know it's the project or the part, is that... Um, and I don't think I was as choosy when I was younger because basically I was like, if you give me a part, I will take it, you know? Um, build it and they will come. Give me a part, here I am. But it's important to me to work on something that says something meaningful about the human condition or something positive or something that um, might be a platform for what you don't want to do you know, I do like social commentary and cultural commentary and things like that. And, and um, you know, I, I really would say that, you know, slashers are not really in, but I wouldn't do a slasher just for a slasher's sake. You yeah, know, just, right. yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a lot of gore in Puppet Master um, and a lot of mayhem, but at its core, it really does say something about... You know, uh, something I don't. I, I think it's it's very timely in you know what's going on, especially in America and our country right now, and the you know the nationalism that we feel. I know you guys feel that in in the UK as well, and you know how horrible that is, and how we don't want to repeat mistakes from the past. And you know, there's even one guy in um, Puppet Master who's our uh, Matthias Hughes, who's a um, plays a German guy in the in the film and there's a particular puppet which if you guys saw that you know he crawls up inside of him after he kills him and controls him and that's I mean that's saying something about you know about what's happened in our past and how people can get controlled by people who are in power and we see that in America unfortunately right now and it's you know, and it's hard to stop it. So, and and Puppet Master is really interesting um, because it kind of it has that very much B movie feel of of a, of a Puppet Master film, but it also has almost a kind of Tarantino esque script. And it was kind of yeah, it was really interesting watching it, feeling that. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you felt when you first read that script? You know, when I first read it, I. Actually, there was a lot of stuff that was cut out in the movie. Oh, really? Can you yeah, tell when us I, about Well, that? because Craig Zoller wrote the script. Yeah, and and um, you guys might know him from um, Bone Tomahawk and Brawl in Cell Block 99. And um, he's quite a good writer. He's able to just pick out a couple of different characteristics about... Oh, I didn't say that word right. Characteristics <laughs> about... Um, somebody and their personality and who they are and encapsulate that in a couple of sentences. He's really good at that. And I felt like he did that in Puppet Master really well. And also, you know, there's a story of Thomas Lennon's character and he he's divorced and newly divorced and then he meets Ashley and then he comes to the 
comes home and then goes to the convention. And all of that was drawn really beautifully. And some of that stuff was cut out in the final oh, right. okay. in the final uh, film. And I don't I don't know why that is. Maybe it was in favor of more, you know, exploitive work with the puppets and the gore and everything. I mean it still works. You still get a hint of it. You still you still get enough and you know what's going on. And he's really good with, you know, economy. And I think a lot of I think a lot of actors and filmmakers maybe we could all be better at that because I find myself trying not to play the same notes that I've played in previous scenes. You know, you want to show something new and um, in editing and writing, you have to think about that. Okay, I've already said this. I don't need to say it again. So so anyway, I, I think um, there, what was the, heck was the question? It was how, a, you, how you felt when you first read it. Oh, book. how I felt when I first read it. So when I first read it, I really, I, I thought there was, I thought there was, you know, really great characters and interest and an interesting story for a puppet master movie, and turning the franchise on its head, uh, basically by having the puppets be Nazis. Uh, but I didn't know it was going to be that outrageous or that bonkers or that gory. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Right. And that's a testament to the um, special effects guy that we had, Tate yeah. Stizek. Yeah. In um, you know. He also directed a couple of the scenes. Um, we had we had to do some reshoots, and um, there's a f there's a few kills that he also it was written a certain way, and then he said, you know, and this happens a lot. A writer will write something, and then the special effects guy will say, but wait a minute, I could do this kill. Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? And then they go, oh, okay, so we'll do that. Um, and they really leaned into the horror and the gore and uh, the exploitiveness of it. And so I was pretty shocked even when I saw it <laughs> at the premiere at the Overlook right. Film Festival. I was pretty shocked. Yeah. Um, I bet. I, I, I actually have I, a... I, oh, yeah. go on, no, Dan. Are you sure? Yeah, of course. So um, film is always different. Yeah, when yeah, you yeah, read yeah. it, and then it comes out, and you're like, that's what I made? I mean, <laughs> I, I do have to say, before it you do your yeah. question, um, Dead Night, I imagine... It, it was like that for you because obviously that went through such a, a crazy journey to yeah. get to the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read that script and I really, I loved it, you know. Um, and uh, I loved my part in that and I thought it was cool to do. Did you guys see Dead Night? I played here last night. Anybody? I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there's anyway, very briefly, it's like, you know, a Cabin in the Woods story and some people get killed, of course. And... Then there's a true crime reality TV show alongside it as a double narrative talking about what happened in the cabin in the woods. And um, yeah, so we premiered at Fantastic Fest, really great festival to premiere at. Oh yeah. And then, you know, some people really loved it and some people had a hard time with it because they thought it was a little confusing. So they re-edited it a little bit before we saw what we saw last night. And um, Studio Canal bought it for, you know, the UK. So I think Cool. Very probably, cool. Yeah, yeah. Probably, you know, fixed a lot of the issues that people had with it. But you know, I mean, the more people you reach, the more you realize. Some people say, "I love that movie. I hate that movie." So 
it's hard to please everybody, yeah, right? Of course. They're best Dan. if they're divisive, though, anyway. Mm. I, I, as a side to what I was going to say, I'm yeah. oh. the, the film I'm on in Chicago at the moment is with uh, Travis Stevens and Greg Newman, who both mm. were sending their love. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they um, this is. You, so. <laughs> I mean, that that isn't an urgent question, but I'm no, glad no, that. No, <laughs> but I wanted to pass that across. It was no, but that I wasn't what I was going to say. I just wanted to. Okay, good, good, good. No, but I, but I will say for these guys, because you're all cinephiles, you wouldn't be here, you know. Um, if you weren't, but Travis Stevens was one of the producers on uh, We Are Still Here. Yes. And he was an, um, he's an amazing producer, first of all, and knows a little bit about every job and can probably do every job and was so helpful in such a really um, non-invasive way on that movie. Whenever there was an issue, he would always try to fix it, but you know, also give you the room to also come up with an idea and and not pressure you into doing anything his way. I mean, he was he was really one of the kindest, nicest producers I've ever worked with, and really smart. And because he's so talented and so good at what he does as a producer, I I kept thinking he really should direct sometime. And so this is yeah, his he's first. Directing now, he's yeah. directing now, so I'm really happy it's, for him. It looks beautiful. It does it really? Yeah, I just finished week one. I go back yeah. for week two. Just, the the question I wanted to ask was, um, so you obviously. The, the version of the script for, for Puppet Master you got was Zala's script, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, does he, so his background's in theatre and his characters are always so, like, whether it's just the excellent casting or whether it's how he writes them, you always feel that they're very, very rounded in a way mm -hmm. that is sometimes absent from the genre. Well, um, like I was saying, like, with an economy of yeah. writing, you yeah. know, you feel like it's, there's a total picture. Does he write you character backgrounds? Do you? Is there no. a lot of so it's no. it's just in the writing and and then you're and then you're on your own. Yeah. In um in Puppet Master, I played um, an ex cop who is a tour guide, and I thought, geez, how do you play a tour guide? I don't know. <laughs> so I went and researched um, how to become a tour guide and what's what makes a good tour guide. So I just worked on that myself, and and also because I had a long monologue in the in the movie, I thought how do you do a freaking great monologue, you know? And is a monologue the same as um, giving a tour? Well, maybe slightly. Um, so I tried to take the best aspects of what I read about those things and, you know, put that... Um, That's really interesting, yeah. actually, because I know uh, you, you kind of, a, a while back, you either retweeted or, or put out a call to, to new writers kind of requesting that people start writing monologues again. What happened to monologues? Oh, yeah, because, well... I really like monologues. Right. And in the old movies, like if you guys watch any movies from the 40s or 50s, you know, you you see a lot of these monologues and we don't do it anymore. Um, everything tends to be, you know, like fast and moving from one thing to the next and maybe it has something to do with our attention span and if we can sustain that. But to really invest yourself in a character and really understand what they're going through and who they are. And I really feel the best movies have an emotional connection to something, whether they be horror or anything else. We want to know how somebody feels. And to really know how somebody feels when you have a fight with your mate or your loved one or whatever, somebody's going to spill their guts to you and say something more than, hey, stop that. You know they're gonna they're gonna talk to you about something. They're gonna reveal something. So, you know, 
and nobody's doing it now. So let I think bring that back, and it'll seem like a new innovation. <laughs> I love that. Thank yeah. you. And um, I'm I'm not going to say what film it's from uh, because I, I don't want spoilers. Um, but there is an amazing, amazing death scene in in one of the movies that I've seen you star in recently. It might be playing here. Um, <laughs> what you can say? What they like can puppet master? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Okay. Good. No, there's a lot of death scenes yeah, in puppet okay. master. So take your pick. There's. <laughs> I think there's like. There's like I have two favorites that I've never seen before. But, yeah. But but yours especially. Oh mine. Yeah, it, it felt oh. like a, it felt like a standout to me. Um, oh, oh thanks. Can, can, I, can I, I wasn't about... even thinking about that one, but thanks. <laughs> so spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I see spoiler. Yeah, I die in the movie. Yeah. But, um, but can you talk about? But I could be reanimated. Ha ha ha. <laughs> for the next one. Can, can you talk about um, filming that? I, I will. I actually I will because I I. I, I want to send a shout out um, to Sonny Laguna, who was one of our directors. We had Tommy Wickland and Sonny Laguna on the film, and um, they both directed Wither. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that movie. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm doing my death scene, and so don't tell anybody I die in the movie. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, too late. But... There's a particular thing that kills me. It could be a person, could be a puppet. But um, so I'm doing my death scene. It's kind of elongated, right? It's really elongated. It's, it's really long. Yeah, like, but it, it feels like something from a different movie. Like it feels really quite real and intense. So what Sunny said to me was, I was doing whatever I'm doing, you know, dying. I've died a lot. And, um, and he said, what are you reacting to? And I said, ah. Oh, I'm reacting to this thing, this, you know, whatever, killing me. And he goes, no, I want you to be afraid of dying. So play, I'm afraid that I'm dying, that you're dying. And, you know, that seems sort of like an obvious thing, but I wasn't, being af I wasn't playing that. I was playing I'm afraid of the thing that's coming after me, not afraid of my own death. So I played that, and it made all the difference. And I told him that, too, afterwards. You know, I wrote him a nice little email, and I said, I saw the movie at the Overlook Film Festival for its premiere, and I said, that's what I was playing, and I think it showed on screen, so I thanked him yeah, for that. So little incredible. moments like that can really, you know, that collaboration you. Yeah, you know, that totally. note really helped me. And uh, on, a, on a nicer note, um, less, you know, intense note, possibly, uh, what does Fright Fest mean to you? You know, I feel like with all the advantages of social media and, um, you know, I go to a lot of film festivals now. Every film festival has a personality. And uh, some of them, you know, the, the ones that are not as nice feel like people are judging you and um, picking you apart. And, you know, there's a lot of haters out there that want to not like things. Um, but I feel like here, there's more of a celebration of films and people are more positive and I, I just feel like a sense of community and supportiveness and um, I don't feel that collectively at any other film festival as much as I feel that here. So that's a testament to all of you guys and how you represent yourselves as an audience. And I, as an artist, I really appreciate that. And um, you've kind of announced that you're working on a Castle Freak 
reboot. Mm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what kind of angle you guys are taking, and will Jeffrey Coombs be involved as well? And yeah, kind of it's you know it's still we're still developing it, and um, Dallas Sonier, who produced um, Puppet Master and bought Fangoria um, to use as a platform to produce uh, or launch these low-budget independent movies got the rights for Puppet Master. I'm going back a bit from Charlie Band and said to Charlie Band, you know, make your own universe with Puppet Master and I'll make my own universe over here. And he's and he's doing that with probably a couple of more titles um, from Full exciting. Moon and, and Cows. And Puppet Master seemed like a really good one to start with, he said, because it has a built-in audience and and fans and Castle Freak doesn't really so much. I'm. It's such a great title. Well, we, we got really nice reviews from the movie, but it it's not a big title, and it doesn't have a built-in fan base, and a lot of people don't know the movie. But for some reason, he said, "I this is the one. This is the next one I want to reboot." Really cool. yeah, yeah. And it's and again, it will be a reimagining. It's not gonna. It's not gonna feel like the first Castle Freak, it's not gonna be like the Carrie remake where it's the exact same dialogue with just different people. Why do that? Thank I mean, goodness. Yeah. I hate that anyway. Yeah. Just, you know, as a little aside, I'm I'm not a fan of remakes, but um, a reimagining, I I have no problem with that. I mean, you know, that's great. So update things for a new audience and, and use social commentary what's going on today and, you know, kind of um, just make it feel new and fresh. Um, we have a writer who turned in a first draft um, a couple of weeks ago, and we've all been giving our notes, and then and it's going to have a different premise at the beginning. And I know they don't want me to say much about it; they really don't. So I'll just say it's going to have a different premise from the beginning. Well, of course, we're still going to have a freak, um, with an emphasis on the freak, and kind of continuing that theme of putting focus on a marginalized character and um, where does that, where does the freak come from and what's his story and what's his background? And um, also we want to bring in more of the Lovecraft universe um, to the forefront. Uh, Lovecraft seems to be, you know, kind of forgotten sometimes and, you know, we say, oh, it has Lovecraft elements, but then everybody makes up stuff that's not even there. Yeah. Totally. Me included. I mean, you know, I'm in a lot of Lovecraft-inspired movies, but Lovecraft would have never put me in a in a in a in a story or anything. So I don't agree with that. Well, um, uh, now Barbara, I've I've am I allowed to this? I've been through your notes process. Can I say this? What, but been through what? Your notes process. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Where where um, mm -hmm. you you recommended me two books to read, um, mm -hmm. which was incredible. Mm. Yeah, because you had sent me a script that I really loved, and then I said, well, I like these elements, and how about this? Or how I just gave you something to think about, and it then was great. recommended some books for you. Yeah, did you amazing. read those books? Of course I did. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the new draft will be coming to oh, you okay. after, awesome. yeah. after Fright Fest. Yeah, great. Um, but did you send any books over to the, the Castle Freak uh, writer? Because it, it was a fantastic in-depth process. I, we've just talked a lot, the writer and I. Uh, they haven't announced the writer, too, because there's, even though she's... She, okay, so she uh, has written a first draft. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure that her contract is um, finalized, so they haven't really announced her, but we talked a lot about it, and um, there's a group... I didn't send her any books, but there's a group 
in Portland, Oregon, called the, is it Portland? Portland, Oregon, yeah. The Lovecraft Society, and they put on a, um, they put on a film festival every year. And I got in touch with the directors there, and I said, what are the best Lovecraft movies that you guys think really bring in the elements of Lovecraft the best? And so I got, I got notes from them, because they're more, they're actually better experts than me. And so they told me what they thought, and then I passed that along. And I said, what do you think makes a great Lovecraft film? Or what do you think are the aspects of Lovecraft that are so important that nobody should ever forget? So I got those notes from them, and then I passed that along. That's and, great. Um, Can we ask what they said were the most important aspects of Lovecraft? Uh, I guess to feel like um, cosmic horror is such a big um, deal in Lovecraft, um, and that there's things that are out of your control. We think we all, as man and woman, we think we all have control over what happens to us, but in the Lovecraft universe, it, everything's inevitable. And, you know, it's you don't have any control. And, um, and the world is a scary, dangerous place, and the most horrible, horrible things can happen to you, and you just can't get away from it. That's amazing. And That's great. final question. Um, we asked you uh, to recommend an Arrow video. Shoot. Um, <laughs> my homework. If, if you haven't, if you I haven't, did, I didn't do that. No, no, it's fine because you're oh. actually in. Ta a, give me like a list of a few, and then I'll tell you what my favorite is. Yeah, you're, no. you're you're in a key. <laughs> key that feels alright. Really. Um, you can talk about your memories of making Reanimator, or um, I don't. What could I tell you it? that you haven't read or you don't know? I don't know. Um, You're asking rather reanimated questions, huh? Right, yes. Um, mm. uh, obviously, yeah, potentially remaking Castle Freak. Um, would you consider remaking Reanimator? Obviously, it's such a no, classic. No, I don't no. think you, uh, I don't I think you can remake Reanimator. I agree. I think it's too big. I agree. I think it's too, yeah. Not just too big, too perfect. It's a wonderful film. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, I love the first three Puppet Master films, but I do think you you know, I don't know if people are going to agree that we've improved on it. I don't know, but there was certainly room for exploration. I don't know what room is there to explore in Reanimator. I don't know. Somebody's going to do it at some point. It's inevitable. Yeah. Right? It's inevitable. <laughs> it's beyond our control. <laughs> it's going to happen. Somebody will remake Reanimator, but I hope they do it in a way that puts a new spin on it or has different characters. But, you know, it's like, it's like Jeffrey Combs' character is so, you know, symbolic of what was great about that film, just like somebody like Bruce Campbell and Ash vs. Evil. I mean, I wouldn't want that job to try right. to take over from them. I wouldn't do it. I, d I just think you can't do it. Totally. Yeah. So, no. Well, on that note, that's a great note to end. Thank you so much for your time, Barbara. Thank you Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And um, yeah, I Give hope you enjoy the rest of your Fright Fest. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. 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 See you soon. Cool. Right. Well, uh, that's almost it. Almost Apart it. from yeah, Lou. We're, really, we're really sorry about our lack of uh, VT. Yeah. Um, but instead. Did, did you enjoy yourselves? Yeah. Okay, good. Cool. Good. Something.
And um, so let's give them sh- some should we do the wrap up thing and then give them some things? Or Lou wanted to do a dance off. I know. I'm not doing. No, a dance we're not off. doing the dance <laughs> off. Okay, fine. Um, so uh, this has been the the Arrow Video Podcast live. Oh no, I do have one more thing. Every fucking time. <laughs> Every fucking time. Well, aside from the fact that we should do all the the Twittery biz and all that kind of stuff. Should we now? Yeah, we should. We should. Um, so those of you who heard um, the last couple of episodes will know that I've sort of mentioned this before. We're going to be doing an announcement at Frightfest tomorrow. Um, my wife and I are doing a live event in October called Fright Night Club. Um, there are more details to come. At the end of this, um, Sam and I will be around, and then if you want to chat to us later about anything, we'll probably be going to the Imperial for a bit for some drinks, so feel free to come and talk at us, uh, to us. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I will, I'm going to have these rolls of stickers with me that are related to the Fright Night Club event. There is a Twitter handle written on them. If you follow the Twitter handle tomorrow, we will be announcing a competition that you need one of those stickers to enter, uh, and you will be able to win tickets to the, uh, to the event and some other stuff as well. So make sure to grab one of those off me. Um, that's it. That's it. Right. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to get involved in this. Yeah. Uh, our sort of catchphrase. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. And what do we do? We promise to be... <laughs> I love that. That was so good. I, <laughs> I like love that. Luster it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel it. I feel we'll it. We'll be more organised next year as well. No, thank we, you so much no, for we coming. Won't. Yeah, thank you for coming. Um, and we're going to give away some Blu-rays and stuff. Yeah, Ooh. no one wants to hear that on the record, though, so we'll stop recording and then we'll give away some biz. Yes. Oh. Thank you so All much. All right. <laughs>